You guys looked a little sleepy, so we thought we'd wake you up. <laughs> that was the pretenders, uh, Foo Fighters. And, uh, what if I say I'm not like the others? I mean, what if I say I'll never surrender? Pretender? Here's the question, who are you? Who are you? You know, the wheel's spinning, right hand red, left foot green. It is the same old story over and over again. You know, the, the fact is we're in this series, uh, Twister, we're looking at things that, that we twist, things that we believe are true, but they're not true. And we have said that the result of twisted beliefs is oftentimes you live a twisted life. And so we're going to jump in, both hands, both feet, this morning. And I want you to, to look down your row, and, and I want you to look to your left, all right? Look at everybody to the left of you. And then look at everybody to the right. All right, turn around, look behind you. Now scan, scan the people in front of you. And on the count of three, I want you to point to the biggest sinner. All right, one, two, three, go for it, go for it. I mean, this is the fun stuff, you know. <laughs> mm -mm. It's a game we play. And I wanna ask you again, who are you? Are you a pretender? You know, the Apostle Paul, he understood that this being a pretender is a really, really big deal. He writes this in 2 Timothy. He says, they will go on pretending to be devoted to God, but they will refuse to let that devotion change the way, what? They live. You know, later in the chapter, he kind of tells us where pretending leads us, that when we're pretenders, not only do we deceive other people, but we deceive ourselves. And the twisted thinking that I want to take on today is pretending like sin is no big deal. And it, it's a dangerous game. A lot of people play this game. We live in a culture that, that has canceled sin. In other words, we don't talk about it. We don't suggest it. Why? Because it doesn't exist. And it's not just culture. There are some churches that in the name of fitting in say, we're never going to talk about it either. Now, I do not want you to misunderstand me. The, the, the church should be a place where you're accepted, where you're loved, no matter who you are. The, the church should be a place where you are lifted up regularly and encouraged. It should be a place where you can come and, and with all your brokenness, your sinful self, and you can experience the grace of God and the grace of other people. But it is also to be a place where you acknowledge who you are, where you look into the mirror of God's word and you, and you see your sins. 
as you gather and you worship, and it should be where you find hope and encouragement, strength to overcome whatever it is in life, to be a better person, to grow in your faith. But if you don't acknowledge and believe that you have a sinful nature, friends, if, if there's no sin, you do not need a Savior. If there's no sin, I mean, I'll be quite frank, I'm not sure what we're even doing here today. The reality is that sin is destructive. It has eternal consequences. And I'll tell you up front something that really bothers me is it's becoming increasingly difficult to distinguish people who are believers from people who are not believers. I mean, a quick glance at actions and lifestyles, and there's not much differentiation, which is troubling. It's alarming. I mean, I'm not like the others. Pretender? I mean, who are you? You know, studies, studies show that, uh, for instance, as many Christians get divorced as non-Christians. When it, when it comes to generosity, again, not really much differentiation between Christians and non-Christians. You know, all the corruption and business and politics, again, hard to differentiate the difference between believers and non-believers. And if it's difficult to see that on the outside, so to speak, it makes me wonder if there's any difference inside. I think part of the issue is that people want Christ in their life, but they want it like an add-on, so to speak. It's this twisted mentality that I want to do everything I want to do. I want to add Jesus to my life without subtracting sin. And I will tell you the math does not work. I mean, we want the benefits of being a believer. But we don't want Jesus to really interfere with our daily life. I mean, we want the abundant life without uh, abandoning sin. We want renewal without repentance. We want to add Jesus but we don't want to subtract sin. Christ followers. You know, spiritual maturity is more than what you know. It's about how much you obey. You may know a lot about Jesus. You may know a lot about the Bible, about church history. You may worship regularly. You, you may have been in so many Bible studies you can't even count them. You, you may be able to quote hundreds of Bible verses even. I mean, the fact is you might be able to confidently uh, talk about things like, uh, you know, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, but being a follower of Jesus Christ is more than about what you know. It's about following, living out the truth of God in your life. And here's something to just process and think about. Most of us 
have been educated way beyond our level of obedience. I'm going to say that again. Most of us have been educated way beyond our level of obedience. We know all too well what's right and what's wrong. We're pretty clear on that usually. We know it. We just don't necessarily live it. I mean, how does it play out? Well, I I hear this one often, and this is the dangerous mentality that that we're talking about. Other people say, well, I'm not a bad person. There, There are some people in the world, I mean, they're really bad. But I'm a good person. I'm not like the others. Not so. And I understand how it happens because what happens is we look around and we start comparing, right? And when you look around, you don't look for someone that's better, right? Am I right on this? We, we look around and, and we'll see a news feed, somebody that, that's done something uh, just awful, done something where they've seriously messed up, and we'll go, you know, I can't believe someone would do that. See, I'm not that bad, right? That's what we do. When we compare, what we do is we shoot really low, don't we? We shoot really low because then we don't have to feel that bad. We can actually feel pretty good about ourselves. But when you compare yourself to a holy perfect God, all of a sudden, you realize your sins. You know, Isaiah, he writes, writes this, he says, we're infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fail and fall, and our sins are swept away like the wind We have a sinful nature, all of us do. We are all fallen. And are you ready for some truth this morning? I'm a sinner, and you are a sinner. We're all sinners. Welcome to Faith Fellowship, yeah. Friends, if you don't acknowledge that truth, it will put you in deep, great spiritual danger in your life. You know, it's a little bit like the guy that got lost in the desert and and he's dying of thirst and mile after mile he keeps looking for water and suddenly off in the distance he sees another guy. The guy's going, free neckties, free neckties. And so the guy gets, gets near him and he goes, would you like a necktie? He goes, I don't need a necktie. You know, I I need water. I'm thirsty. And so he's frustrated. He's weak. He continues searching. And he goes over several more dunes. And then off in the distance, he sees a building. And as he gets closer, I mean, he's overjoyed. It is a ritzy restaurant. The guy that's at the uh, welcome area there, he's uh, like, welcome to the establishment. He goes, I need some water. And they said, I'm sorry, you can't come in. You need a tie. Yes, I'm here every Sunday, 10 o'clock. 
<laughs> Friends, if you don't see a need for a necktie, you're not going to want one. Unless you see that you're a sinner, you do not need a Savior. You will not see a need for a Savior. And you've got to understand, you have been separated from God by sin. And it's only when you give your life to Jesus Christ, accept him as your Lord and Savior, that a relationship with God's even possible. It's when you acknowledge your sin, you repent. See, don't get your thinking twisted. Don't be deceived into thinking, well, I'm a good person. It will mess you up. You know, John 1, 1, 8 says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If you don't acknowledge that you're a sinner, you won't see a need for a savior. And friends, you'll end up living a life that's very twisted. And when it, when it comes to sin, here's another thing I think people believe is true and the fact is, some of you may, may have bought, bought into this whole, whole idea, but sin, I mean, it breaks my heart because people believe that this is true. You know, all sin is the same. Have you heard that before? Now, I will tell you that's true and that's not true. It's complicated. And you can get this one twisted really quick. All sin is not the same. The consequences for sin, both now and in eternity, are not the same. And so, first I want to look just from an eternal perspective. If you are a Christ follower, and I want you to listen really carefully through this. If you're a Christ follower, you've given your life to Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Past, present, future. They're all forgiven. The, the, the fact is that we can own that and know that. Heaven, heaven is yours. And if you're obedient... The fact is, you do some things right, Scripture actually says we'll be rewarded in heaven accordingly. But if you reject Jesus Christ, you refuse to make him Lord or Savior of your life, your sins are not forgiven. Again, I want you to listen really carefully. Without Jesus, all sins are unforgiven. All unforgiven sin is the same. All unforgiven sin will separate you from God. All unforgiven sin will be punished, eternal death, hell, separation from God. And I know people make lie to hell and they joke about it and everything, but friends, it's a real place. It's a real place that some people are going to go to. And I want to clear up something. God does not send people to hell. 
people make a choice on this one. See, God simply gives them what they wanted on earth, life without God. It's eternal life with no God. It's a place of isolation where I'm guessing you will realize your sins over and over and over and over again. That's why it's torment. Every disobedient act, every, every selfish act, every, every time that, that we denied God, that we pushed God off, that we broke God's heart, the consequences of sin now in, in this world are not the same. There are some sins that you and I commit, and the fact is, they don't wreak havoc immediately in our lives, right? There are some sins that are more destructive than others. The, the costs are higher. There, there are sins, and when we're disobedient, they come with huge price tags. They create havoc, incredible pain. Let's just say this morning, I was running late to church, and so I'm driving five miles over the speed limit, and I see the red lights. Pull over, I get a ticket. I'll probably be aggravated at myself. Cindy will probably have a few words to say to me on that one. But I'm guessing that no one's gonna think much about it. I'll pay the fine, I'll brush it off, and over time I'll probably pretty much forget about it. But let's say I get a wild hair one day, and I decide I'm gonna rob a bank, go on vacation with a stripper, and join a nudist colony. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, first of all, crazy, terrible, horrible, dumb idea. But I am absolutely positive I'll no longer have a wife, and I will no longer be your pastor. There would be greater consequences for those sins than for speeding, right? Jesus often talked about this whole issue of disobedience. You know, in Luke, he says, and a servant who knows what the master wants but isn't prepared and doesn't carry out, those instructions will be severely punished. Ouch. I don't, I don't like that. If you know what's right and you don't do what's right, it says the, the punishment will be more severe. It says, but someone who does not know and then does something wrong will be punished only lightly. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. My point is differentiating the, the, the consequences, the, the punishment, it, it, it shifts. You know, Old Testament, uh, if you read, there were 11 sins that were worthy of the death penalty. 
But there are hundreds of sins that result in less consequences. You know, same thing, New Testament. You know, in fact, uh, Paul, he, he would spend most of uh, 1 Timothy and Titus, he's speaking to leaders in the church, and he addresses that there are certain actions that will exclude people from, from leadership in the church. Again, my, my point is differing, differing consequences. Not all sins the same. Not all sins the same, but we're all sinners. And if you're a Christ follower, you're forgiven, but do not forget, and this is the one I think that hangs us up, do not forget that you're a sinner. You are saved by grace. I think it changes your attitude and how you live as a Christ follower. You know, Jesus, he was addressing this. He says, beware of the scribes, okay, the religious people who like to walk around in long robes and who love respectful greetings in the marketplace and the best seats in the synagogue and a place of honor at the banquet. The the religious righteous, you know, I'm good. You know, I'm not bad. I'm holy. I've got it together. You know, bow down. I have arrived, folks. I have arrived. Well, Jesus said this. He says, they devour widows' houses. You know, they were stealing from them, in other words. And for the sake of appearance, they say long prayers. See, I want everybody to see I'm something I'm really not. They will receive the greater condemnation. Greater what? All right, let's say it was some conviction. Greater what? Condemnation. I'm not a bad person. I'm a good person. I've got it together. I'm good. We're not. We're not. Not all sin is the same. Without Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, friends, sin will separate you from God. Some sins have greater consequences. And here's one more thing when it comes to sin. And some of this kind of twisted mentality will keep you in sin. And I hear this one often. I I know it's not right, but, see, but, I've already blown it, so what's the big deal? You know, there's a guy I went to school with uh, when I was working on my uh, bachelor's, and um, we were studying for ministry. Uh, he was in my dorm, and uh, he was struggling academically, and he started cheating, and he got caught, and he got expelled. And I remember seeing him. He was back in the dorm. He's packing up to, to head home, and I went in to, to talk to him, and I remember him finally saying, I never thought I'd be a cheater. He said, one day I cheated, I got a good grade, and so I cheated again, and again, and again. I thought, what's the big deal? And then he said, it cost me everything, you know. 
says, before I knew it, I was cheating all the time. That is the big deal. See, that's how it works. It gets easier and easier. And as you do something over and over again, the sin it begins to grow and destroy. You know, I hear that same mentality, you know, talk, talk to guys and they'll go, yeah, pornography. You know, I, I know it's not right, but I, I was on my computer and it just, it was there and I thought, uh-oh. And then pretty soon, you know, no resistance, giving in. And they'll usually say, you know, I don't think it's hurting anybody. Yeah, okay. It will destroy you before it's over. You know, Christ followers, powerful. This is a powerful truth. You ought to, you ought to tuck this one, one back. Second Peter says, if they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and are again entangled in it and are overcome, they're worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. Now, you have to think about this one for a little bit. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you've experienced the freedom and the power and the forgiveness of God, and then you choose to jump back into sin, friends, it's a worse place to be. That's why some of the most miserable people that I know are not non-believers. No, they're Christians who have decided that they're just going to live in sin. They're going to give in to it. Doing what they want, when they want, with no concern about it. Friends, it's the destructive power of sin. It's what's making some of you miserable in your life. Everyone around you, I mean, they have no clue about your sin. They think you're okay. But inside, you're dying. You're dying in your sin. Sin is destructive. I mean, why, why is it so destructive? Because it's malignant. It is progressive in nature. At first, it doesn't seem like a big deal. It, it seems kind of trivial, inconsequential. But then it grows, and it grows, and it grows until it will enslave you at some point. It steals, kills, destroys everything that matters to God. Everything that matters to the heart of God. And friends, I will tell you, it is Satan's strategy to take you out. You know, a while back, uh, we had a, a leak in our hot tub. And uh, about every other day, we would get up and we'd have to put a couple gallons of water well, then it was like every day we had to put a couple gallons of water in. And so Cindy's like, you know, honey, could, could you take a look at it? And so I walked around the hot tub, acted like I knew what I was doing. I don't. I go, it's leaking. <laughs> I can't fix it. Call the spa company. <laughs> you know... They, they said, yeah, that'd be out, but it was going to be like six or eight weeks. So, so we tried to keep it going. 
Every day we're, we're adding more and more and more water until finally it would be down like a foot. And we were having to twice a day fill it back up. Now, I know sane people would have given up at that point. We didn't. We, we, we tried to keep it going. And then one morning we went out and it was practically empty. We couldn't fix it. Down for the count. And we had to wait for the tech to come out and fix it. Sin starts out small, but it grows and grows and grows. And friends, sin will ultimately lead to destruction. Don't, don't, don't forget this verse. Tuck, tuck this verse back in your mind. James 1, 14, it says, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away these desires that give birth to sin's action. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. What's the problem? People want to add Christ without subtracting sin. People want the abundant life without abandoning their own desires. People want renewal without repentance. Spirituality is not about what you know. It's about how much you obey. The issue for most of us is that we have been educated way beyond our level of obedience. So what do we do? Well, book of Revelation, Jesus, he's talking to the church at Laodicea, and it was a church full of people. They looked religious. They looked good on the outside, but they were lukewarm inside. They were lukewarm when it came to their faith. Sound familiar? Jesus said this to them. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and what? Repent. Pretty simple idea here today. Most of us know that we're sinning. The issue isn't that we don't know it's sin. The issue is we're not obeying the Lord. You just got to acknowledge it, own it, name it. I mean, it may be pride, maybe greed, it may be lust, lying, rebellion, anger, selfishness, unforgiveness. I mean, it might just be a, a critical spirit. It might be a sin that's totally out of control. Repent and return to the Lord. That's how you take care of it. That's how you address it. That's how you get the power to overcome it. 
but it starts with repentance. Let's bow in a word of prayer to God. Our holy God, we bring our sin to you. God, I don't know each person's sin, but I know we've all got it. Lord, we're going to lay that down to you and give it to you right here, right now. God, help us to break free from that twisted idea that, uh, oh, we're good, we're good. God, help us to see what it is and give it to you. God, I pray that today would be the day that some would walk out the doors and go, no more. I'm done. Lord, forgive us our sins. Forgive us those things that uh, they've enshackled us, they've taken us captive. Lord, I pray by your Holy Spirit you'd set us free. God, may everything we say and do be pleasing in your sight. Lord, help us to be obedient. Help us to pursue you. We give you the glory. We give you the praise this day and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God's people said. There'll be prayer teams down front. Maybe uh, had something happen this week. You need prayer. Maybe need to step in, have prayer for someone that you love that's going through something. They'll be down front to pray with you. Let's stand. Let's rise up and sing.